Hey, listeners, before we get to this episode of Problem Solvers, here is a word from our sponsor. Whether you need digital tools so you can bank on the go, or you need a one-on-one with an experienced business banker, with PNC Bank, you got it. PNC's business banking team is built entirely around the way you like to do business. Innovative mobile tools that let you manage your cash flow, monitor your payments, and more around the clock give you the flexibility that every business owner needs. And PNC combines those digital tools with a team of business bankers who are ready to sit down and talk about the unique needs of your business and help you develop personalized strategies to move your business forward. Learn how PNC Bank can make a difference for you and your business at pnc.com slash bank your way. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. And now on with the show. From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. You're right there. You're right there. How do I get you in? Uh... Okay. Why is this how every Instagram live has to start? I do a bunch of them through Entrepreneur's account. And, you know, you got to go live yourself and then you have to invite the person who you have arranged to do the Instagram live with. Even if that person is very famous and has millions of followers, you still have to do the same dumb process, which of course means that the very beginning of the video is just like me being like, how do I get somebody in? Anyway, in this case, the person I was trying to get in was none other than Chip Gaines. Do I look clear and gorgeous? You look kind of hazy and radiant. Because Chip was using his assistant's phone and she she had uh, blush accidentally uh, kind of smeared over the camera lens. So uh, we had to fix that too. And then finally, we were able to get going. And that was exciting because there was an awesome conversation to be had about how people can become more adaptable, how people can see opportunity in change, why change can be so beneficial to us. That's what Chip Gaines and I were there to discuss. Now, why? Here's why. Because as you may know, by listening to this podcast, I have a new book that just came out. It's called Build for Tomorrow. And in Build for Tomorrow, I lay out a plan for how people can find opportunity in challenging times, how they can see moments of change and instability as an opportunity, and how they can move towards what I call a wouldn't-go-back moment. Because I am telling you, that wouldn't-go-back moment, the moment where you say, I have something so new and valuable that I wouldn't want to go back to a time before I had it, that is waiting for you on the other side of change. And on launch day for this book, which was September 6th, I wanted to talk with somebody who had really embodied that so that we could really make that message clear, really dig into how valuable change can be. And the first person I thought of was Chip Gaines. Now, in case you don't know who Chip Gaines is, Chip is best known as being one half of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Uh, They live in Waco, Texas. Uh, They ran a sometimes struggling real estate company, and then they transformed into the stars of HGTV's reality show Fixer Upper, where they would go and, well, do exactly that, fix up homes. And uh, they became hugely beloved, and they they have built so many entrepreneurial ventures out of this experience. They built a shopping district, a real estate company, vacation rentals. Uh, they have product partnerships. And uh, and then they, they debuted 
a TV network called Magnolia Network. But here's the thing. At the very beginning of that, when Chip was achieving the kind of fame and recognition and success that most people only dream of, he was really struggling with it because his career up until then had been really about physical labor. And he had equated work with with backbreaking work, with going home and, and feeling your body ache. And then he wasn't doing that anymore. And, and it was just a real challenge to him. He told me about this last year when I interviewed him for Entrepreneur Magazine, when his memoir had come out called No Pain, No Gains. And uh, well, uh, let, me, let me just play a little of that. It's almost like a, a identity crisis. I had an identity crisis because I was like, why are my hands not blistered? Why am I not bleeding? Why is my back not aching? I didn't even work today. I didn't do anything. Again, that audio was from the interview that I did with Chip a year and change ago. Anyway, so Chip and I stayed in touch after that interview, and and I thought about that transition that he went through a lot. I even included a little bit of it in the book that I wrote, Build for Tomorrow. So I thought, well, there really is no better person who can embody the great benefit of, but also struggle of change than Chip Gaines. So I reached out and I said, Chip, would you be willing to have a conversation with me about change, about the difficulties of it, about how to navigate it, and about the ultimate benefits of it on Instagram Live (laughs) when my book came out? And he said yes, which was, again, so generous. And so that's the conversation I want to play for you today. Unfortunately, the audio quality will be Instagram-ish, not nice podcast microphone quality, but I still think there is just so much value in this conversation and it'll really give you an insight into what it's like to have your world totally change and to discover the ultimate benefits of it. Coming up after the break. Think about a bicycle. It takes balance to get where you want to go. Now think about business. Whatever your business or organization, you ride the line between numbers and people. Just like the bike, it takes balance. C-L-A. CPAs, consultants, and wealth advisors. That's C-L-A. We'll get you there. Clifton Larson Allen LLP. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. All right, we're back. Now let's jump into it with Chip Gaines. I opened the conversation by telling Chip that the reason I wanted to speak with him was because of the story that he had told me a year ago, as I as I just told you, about really grappling with that shift from always working with his hands to working with ideas and building brands and how challenging that is. And I said, a reason why that was so challenging for him, and I think that other people go through similar challenges, is because of the way in which we often identify with our work, but we identify with really just a part of it. I think that we oftentimes identify so much with the output of our work. And so when that output changes, we feel kind of lost because it's such a challenge to our identity. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to reconnect and talk about navigating change because you've gone through so much of it. I, you know, I have too. It's the subject of this book that I wrote. And, um, and hear a little bit about how you have navigated that, and maybe offer some wisdom and tips to folks who are, are going through their own changes. 
Absolutely. I appreciate it. And I remember it just to your point, like it was yesterday. I remember I was running a few minutes late. I can't even remember what the excuse, you know, I've always got an excuse for it, but I sincerely was apologizing to you. And I just thought your reaction to that, that humble apology was so sweet. I remember you were just like, wow, I, you know, I've been with a lot of people, interviewed a lot of interesting people, and nobody seems to ever seem to care when they're stepping on your time. They only care when you're stepping on their time, but yeah. anyway, completely unrelated topic, but maybe maybe no, and thankfulness and, and, and if you're respecting other people's time as if it was your own, you know, that'll, that'll be our next, next topic for, for another day, but go ahead. It sounds like, yeah. well, no, 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 because I, I want you to keep going, but I, but I just want to emphasize that because, because that was, that's another thing. I have repeated that story so many times to friends because yes, you were, you were 11 minutes late chip and you had a good excuse. I also can't remember what it was. You had something going on and you, the first thing you did was you apologized for like two minutes about that. And I have, I mean, Chip, I have interviewed so many people, you know, so many like incredible, they are hours late, days late, weeks late, you know, and you were, you were 11 minutes late and you, and you're, nobody ever apologizes like that. And, and what it told me was like, you know, here's a guy who has, has thought about other people down to a granular level so that it would occur to you to be aware of that lateness and recognize that whoever you're talking to, whether it's me or somebody else has a life as well and things to do. And, sure. and that like when we're, when we're building great things and we're building great relationships, like thinking down to that granular level is the most important thing that we can do. Because if you're thinking on the small level, then those little things are going to be the foundation of all the big things. So when, sure. <laughs> that, when you did that, I, I just thought this is, I mean, this is like a guy I got to know because this was so great. So anyway, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I'm glad that it stuck with you because it definitely stuck with me. Of course, it kind of forged our relationship. I was apologizing and sincerely so, but <laughs> the response to my apology, I was like, wow, I mean, this is like a brother separated from birth yeah. in some way. <laughs> to your point, we've kind of kept in contact and, and stayed together. And I'm so proud of you for the book launch. And I want to make start start by just congratulating and you you in that way. But I mean, to your point, you know, I I really I I think I just struggled. I struggled through this transition of uh, of being a real a normal guy. You know, I mean, I've always been gregarious and outgoing, and so in that sense, the fame piece wasn't t- terribly dynamic or terribly unexpected, maybe say it that way. I was, I was kind of always, I always thought I was going to, I don't know, you know, most likely to be president of the United States as an eighth grader, you know, those kind of accolades were always kind of around me and, you know, leader in the general sense. I've never been the guy that like in a small group, like I have to be the leader and first to raise my hand, but, you know, generally speaking, I guess probably back to my outgoingness, it just kind of naturally gravitated now. Way, but here I was. I mean, I was in my late 30s, maybe even early 40s. I'm nearly 48 now. So, you know, it was late 30s, early 40s. And this opportunity to be on television kind of came about. And all we knew was that we had a construction company here in town. My wife had a little small boutique, and we had a young family, four kids at the time, now five. And we just, we just were like, why not? You know, it sounded like an adventure, but I would say looking backwards now, you know, nearly 10 years into this business, it was a very distinct and very clear and very obvious career change. But the reason I think it was such a shock to me is that I think you even pointed out like, Hey, in case we've got some folks on online that they could 
glean from this wisdom you've given. Most people, if I'm in this business, my career modifications or changes are pretty calculated. They're pretty intentional. Hey, you know what? I see the writing on the wall or, or even me as a young you know, business guy, I would always kind of climb the ladder in my mind and go three or four rungs above where I was and be like, is that what I want to do in five years? Is that what I want to do in 10 years? And so it'd be pretty clear. Yes. I love that lifestyle. I love that profession. Yes. That's all I've ever wanted. Or no, I don't want to do anything remotely similar to three rungs <laughs> above myself. Why? am I on this ladder? You know, I'm in the wrong spot. So all that to say, I ju- we just thought we were making a slight pivot, you know, a slight <laughs> adjustment, but you, you know, you're hitting on the, the reality and the, the sort of the, uh, the spoiler alert is that, boy, I mean, in the television business, you're basically re you're representing what you've done. You're reenacting what you've done, if you will. Yeah. There are a few moments, if not several moments, to where, look, we were in the middle mm-hmm. of it and all heck was breaking loose. And we sincerely did some real kick butt thing that everybody left going, oh man, that was like the good old days. You know, we were right in the middle of it and we did it. But I would say two thirds of the time, you're sort of in a clean shirt. You've got a fresh microphone on, you know, attached to your shirt. You've got a nice, you look decent. And then you go into this and, hey, here's what we've been working on. Here's what we're up to. Then I just remember in the early days, just going like being done with that day's work. And I look and man, no sweat, no dirt on my jeans. Exactly to your ex- description. Boy, my back wasn't even remotely aching. And I felt to some degree like a loser. Like I hadn't actually accomplished anything throughout that throughout that day's work because it didn't remind me of the day's work that I essentially had, had grown accustomed to. So I, I told you this story and I think you even mentioned it in your book. But, you know, I remember coming back from hard day's work mentally challenging day's work and then literally having to go out on the farm and do some kind of backbreaking chores for the next hour or two just so when i physically came back in then in the you know wee hours of the night going okay finally i've broken a sweat now i need to jump in the shower now i can hit the sack i finally earned my keep and and that and that experience was was really a a, a kind of a uh, it was definitely, you know, it was, it was my equivalent to a midlife crisis. I didn't need to go buy a Porsche and I didn't run off with with somebody and, and move to France. But I did kind of feel this kind of awkward, worthlessness, sense of loss, sense of, you know, disconnection. And uh, over the years, I've just tried to reconnect. How do you connect those dots? How do you transition from an actual labor, like a blue collar, hardworking guy? And I love the way you describe some of these things in the book. I don't build houses, maybe in the practical, literal, technical sense, like I used to do, but boy, we're we're building something. We're building businesses. We're building a brand that we're really proud of. And even you describing it in that way kind of reminds me there's so much to be proud of. This is an accomplishment, even if it doesn't feel quite like your previous uh, self might have felt, you know, in order to, to feel like he had had done something of value throughout the day or something like that. Yeah, I, so I love the way that you described that, and and as you say, you I took a bunch of our, of our conversation and I put it in this book because I thought that you had you had experienced the kind of change 
that obviously not exactly the things that you did because not everyone gets a television show, but, <laughs> but, that, but that you went from, you went from doing one thing to doing something else. And you felt like a real challenge to your identity as a result. And that, that's why I, you know, I, I put a lot of that in this book and, and in your answer right there, Chip, you said something that I thought was really powerful. So I just want to really emphasize it, which is that you described how at the beginning, this change felt like loss. You, you used that word. And I find that when I talk to people about how, why change is so challenging to them and why they feel disoriented when there's, when there's a change, which again is is so, so deep about this book is really about understanding that and then understanding how to get over it is, um, is that the equate change with loss? Because when change comes, the very first thing that we do is we identify a thing that we already had that we were comfortable with and familiar with that's going away. And that feels like loss to so many people. And the thing that we need to do that we really need to shift towards, which it sounds like it it took a long time for you to get there, but you did was to see it as a gain instead, Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on the thing that's lost to, to say maybe you know, ask ourselves things like, you know, what, what new skill and habit am I put, am I learning now? And then how can that be put to good use? Because the more that we can just force ourselves to reframe our experience as we're going to get something valuable from this, Mm -hmm. maybe know exactly what it's going to be and don't even know how it's going to be valuable. But if I know that it is going to be valuable or that I can make value from it, then I can empower myself to go figure out what that is. Amen. and I wonder, Chip, how long did it take you? Really, I mean, you guys saw benefits for the te- from the television show immediately, obviously. But for you to really internalize that and maybe start to start to see, you know, start to see how your life was was not just losing something but gaining something too. And and, and was that consciously thought about? No doubt about it. I mean, I mean, for years I've thought about it, and I appreciate you kind of pointing out because I I sort of led to this you know negative conclusion, but to the exact contrary. I mean, now to your point, and you were kind of scratching on all these things that have been wildly helpful. It's just like, how do I reframe this outlook? Because what mm-hmm. in fact happened, and you can't deny it, this opportunity, which was the television show led to so many other amazing opportunities. So exactly the way you described it, I sort of was focusing on the fact that I've lost my ability to walk into a project of ours. I mean, it, it got, I would, I would say it was the oddest time when I would walk into one of my own projects and the tradesmen that I used to essentially be one of, you know, they were like one, we were one and and the same. You couldn't tell where they stopped and where I started or vice versa. And I would walk into these projects and because they had seen me on the television show or their wives were huge fans or they had heard this thing or that thing. It was, oh man, Chip Gaines, how you doing? You know, I, I, and not to make any comparable because I'm not trying to, so many of these things can kind of be miscued if, if taken out of context, but it's like, can you, imagine Tom Brady walking into the locker room and everybody being awestruck and everybody not believing that Tom Brady's on the team and with it, you know, he's got to dumb things down to such an extent to just be like, boys, I'm just one of the, you know, Hey, I'm just here to play quarterback for this case. Obviously in this season, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, everybody calm down, you know, and I felt kind of, it again, very low level, very, very, you know, not an apples to apples, but you know, I'd walk in and be like, boys, there, there needs to be no awestruck. I just give me a hammer. Let me see. How can I help? What can I do to be useful? Nobody needs to take pictures. Nobody needs to, you know, be excited about about this context. And so all that to say, I was just kind of really heavily describing this loss of of identity, loss of connection. I used to walk in and somebody might have thought it was interesting that I was there, but because 
thank God there's somebody here that can help out and let's get to work and let's work together. So it felt more like a team thing. This felt more like, again, Mother Teresa walking in or something. Everybody's like, what is going on? Everybody calm down. I mean, you know, here, I'm just here to help. And so, but years later, and I would say it took a couple of years, this was a big, I, I sort of built, Jason, it sounds like you and I are probably built the same or or if at the very least, you've just interviewed so many people to where you've connected these dots. I love change. I'm drawn to change. I would almost say, especially in our business in its current tense, when things get a little stale, when things get a little predictable, I almost inadvertently or intentionally disrupt the circumstances. I want there to be change because you're hitting on it squarely on the head. Without change, there's not evolution. Without evolution, there's not growth. Without growth, there's not... I mean, I'm not... I didn't... You know, there's the old adage, I didn't come this far to only get this far. You know, it's like, I might be that way in my seventies. I mean, there'll be a day that comes to where, Oh, I came this far to get exactly this far. And you'll see me, you'll find me and Joanna on the rocking chairs here in the porch in Waco, Texas. And that's true one day, but today it's just like, no, I didn't do all this for this. I did all this because we're going somewhere else. And I think that reframing your thought process and you hit on it, I thought pretty squarely. And just the idea that how do you take something that feels negative? How do you take something that feels like death? How do you feel, take something that feels like a bad outcome or about bad circumstance and sort of learn to adjust that framework. And then this is what I guess my point is, I started realizing, think of all the things that I've learned through this, this experience in television specifically. I, we didn't know anything about the TV business. Literally, we had zero acclimation. We had zero intentionality. We had zero context as it relates to what it looked like to do a project on national or on television. And as I started realizing, man, I'm, I'm getting an education in the TV business. And here again, fast forward, we own a magazine, we own a network. I mean, it's hard to believe that we've been given these types of opportunities and they all stem from that thing that, you know, cry me a river. I used to think of as this wild negative, this sad thought, but instead it just allowed us to kind of pivot into another industry and go, well, I feel really confident in the construction business and I feel good about building a project for Jason and his family. But do I know anything about building a magazine? Well, I didn't when we started, but I do now. Do I know anything about building a network? Again, proof is yet to be in the pudding. So I want to kind of knock on wood, see how it all shakes out. But, you know, I feel like I'm getting acclimated now, you know, so I think the, the, the points you're making are very clear and hopefully helpful to your point that uh, that some of the folks here listening to us hopefully are taking some of this and and being able to put it in their uh, in their treasure chest and use it in their own lives. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more of my conversation with Chip Gaines. If you're a business leader, there are things you love doing, like building great things and serving people. And then there are the things you hate doing, like inbox management and project follow-ups. Ugh. Did you know that delegating those tasks could help you reclaim an average of 15 hours every week? It is time to focus on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. Belay has been helping busy leaders do exactly that. They're helping with their staffing solutions. They've been doing it for over a decade. Belay intentionally pairs clients with virtual assistants, accounting, and more. Great leaders don't do anything alone. You have to find the support you need to delegate the details, and you can do that with Belay. So get started now. Just text SOLVE to the number 
to get $300 off your startup fee for a virtual assistant when you schedule a call before August 31st. That's solve, S-O-L-V-E, to 55123 to save $300 and reclaim 15 hours every week. All right, we're back. And now let's just pick it back up. Chip, I, I want to be mindful of time as we were talking about earlier, because I know you got to <laughs> schedule. So I'll just make one more point here and, and see what you think of it. And we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get going on our days, sure. which is that a while ago, uh, I was interviewing somebody else very impressive, Malcolm Gladwell. And he told me this line that I immediately wrote down and I, and I have thought about so much ever since. And he said, self-conceptions are powerfully limiting. That the more that we define ourselves by one kind of thing, the more that we'll just turn away all sorts of amazing other opportunities because they don't meet whatever we had defined ourselves as. And yes. what he had learned over his career and, and, and what you're describing right now, just made me think of it, was that we have to push back against our instinct to define ourselves narrowly because we will do that. And it's natural because we... You know, we can't try to be every single thing, every sure. single too much. We, we got to live our lives. And so we retract to what's comfortable and to what we know. And we, you know, if we had a good day, we want to repeat it tomorrow. And so we end up doing a lot of the same things over and over again. And then when, when change comes, or when a new opportunity comes, we, we might, our first instinct might be to turn it down because it doesn't match our self-conception. And what I think you're describing so well here, and I just thought a nice place to, to conclude and, and something that, you know, for what it's worth, just to kind of be a book plugger, because it's my really, I, forgive me for doing it, but it's so, so core to this book here that I wrote that you're, you know, that you're in is that we need to be constantly checking ourselves and making sure that we're leaving room for growth, that we're not defining ourselves so narrowly that we're turning down what could be the defining opportunity, because that, that ultimately is what, you know, I suppose you might argue fixer upper was right as a, as a, it wasn't the only opportunity, but it was, it was the defining start of one. And it, and it opened up all sorts of other opportunities. And as long as you were willing to continue to reinvent your idea of, you know, you and Joe's ideas of yourselves and say, and say, well, what, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, we could be these people and we, and we could grow these things. And as long as, of course, we're doing that with an understanding of what's at the core and how that doesn't change and the value that we have and the values that we have, as long as those don't change, we can do all sorts of other things. Anyway, I'd love to throw that to you and just hear maybe how you would, how you would process that and, and, and how, and maybe any advice that you have for people to, to push themselves to think beyond whatever they think they are. Sure. I'm going to kind of hit on two thoughts that came to me as you were talking. First of which, just because I think I can summarize this one a little quicker, and then we'll pivot into the second, more complicated one. But the first one is that, you know, I was always insecure about, I always wanted to be successful, like really successful. But I always felt like I wanted to cap my success because I wanted to be just successful enough that, and you kind of alluded to these, these ideas, just enough to where it doesn't quote unquote change you. Because Lord knows, you know, the successful people, boy, it always goes to their head and they're always the worst people. And, you know, money changes and all this stuff. I heard this quote and God, I wish I could attribute these quotes to actual people like you do instead of plagiarizing them like I do. I will say this is not my original quote, but I have no idea where it came from. Yeah. I'd have to uh, uh, edit, check me and, and make sure that we get this right. But the guy said something to the effect of money doesn't change you. It reveals you. It reveals mm -hmm. who you truly are, sort of a thought. 
And boy, in my 40s, I have found that to be so true. Joe and I had built a life on, and again, I don't want to overstate it because nobody's perfect, but I just mean philanthropy isn't even the correct word because philanthropists are wealthy people that do big, incredible things. I mean, we were just giving people. We love to give. We love to host. We love to invite people. We were active in our church. We were engaged in our community in sort of a, in sort of a giving way. I had a little bit of money and by a little bit of money, I mean, literally a little bit of money. And I wanted to share that little bit of money with whomever I felt like God kind of brought into my uh, ecosystem. And so I was always on the lookout anytime I'm on a road trip. And again, fame, again, has distorted this a little bit because it's awkward to pick up a hitchhiker or to pull over to help somebody with their, with their flat tire. And they fangirl on the interstate. It's like, ah, I'm not sure I'm helpful here in this moment. I might get us both killed inadvertently. So take out, taking out some of these normal objectives, but my point only being, you know, it's just like, I was always on the lookout for these ways. And it was just like something about money or fame or success in this other way, it has amplified that for Joe and I. I mean, now I'm on the lookout for real opportunities to give way and to do things in big contexts. And all I'm saying is that it's funny that it sort of revealed that in Joe and I's heart. That was something that existed there. And of course, it was a very small, modest thing that existed previously. And now it's turned into something that we're passionate about. Like, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where wouldn't it be something? Again, I don't know who these these individuals are either, but these ideas that kind of are like, I'm going to give away all of my money, not on my death, not on my deathbed, but, you know, in my lifetime. And then I and then we've kind of given our money away. And wouldn't that have been something to have seen the the impacts of all that? So that that part kind of came to mind. And then I'm sorry, I've already forgotten my other other piece of that. Do you kind (laughs) of the ballpark uh, question that you had? It may lead me back to my my point, the philanthropy piece of it. Well, I was talking the root of it was talking about how self-conceptions are powerfully limiting. And oh, yes. Yeah, and when you have an idea of yourself, you turn down all these other opportunities to grow. Yes, thank you for reminding me. So the piece <laughs> I was just saying, it just like, I think success and money reveal who you are. So when the dirty, rotten scoundrel comes out of you as a billionaire, my argument would be it was probably hidden deep in there before. And when the great philanthropist and the and the and the community organizer comes out of you after success and money, it was because of that. Thank you. The piece about I think we give up too early. We identify ourselves too early in the process and exactly the way you described it. I'm a contractor in Waco, Texas. And I want to be real clear on this, Jason, when we got got the opportunity to be on Fixer Upper. I told Joe, and I'm not not sure I've, I've ever said this publicly. So this is sort <laughs> of like a, a piece of information, like a Paul Harvey rest of the rest of the story, kind of a, a predicament. I pulled Wait, Joe I- aside and I said, and I said to her, I said, I said, Joe, you watch. If this show works and we do what we're what we're capable of doing, we'll be the largest home builder in Waco, Texas, when this is all said and done. That was the golden ticket. That was as far down the tracks as I could see. That was the dream of a lifetime. I was going to be the largest home builder in Waco, Texas. So hilariously, I failed miserably on my initial uh, goals and aspirations. But it's because exactly the way you described it, I had defined myself in such a narrow place that I was going to take this opportunity and essentially use it to my advantage to maximize what I was doing at that moment, which was obviously construction and remodeling and all the things. So I was going to make a larger version of that. 
But boy, isn't that fascinating? The universe and, and God had a totally different plan for me and Joe, of course, in our business. And had I been so focused on only houses and it has to be renovation, it has to be this, you know, the retail opportunities would have never presented themselves. Some of the other businesses have come. Of course, a magazine would not be possible because I'm a contractor. What would I be? Why would I be in the magazine business? A network would never have been possible. And so I think to just encourage you and obviously anybody that's that's with us here. It's just this idea that don't limit yourself to that narrow focus and that idea that I'm this or I'm that. Let life have a little opportunity to surprise us all. And who's to say there's not some great pivot just right around the corner that allows us to do endlessly more than we ever thought possible. But had we had we minimized who we were or identified ourselves, even if you've got a grandiose vision of yourself, a really big idea as to who you are, that's great. But what if it's something even bigger, something more important? And I just, I think we, uh, you know, by the time you're Warren Buffett's age, then I, I would argue, you know, of course he knows who he is. And of course he knows the objective. He, he's on the back end of all of this. But here we are, Jason, to where it's just like, who's to say? I'm 47, about to be 48. I'm not even sure I'm fully qualified or capable to identify today what my mission is and what my purpose is. You know, I think we've got decades to really conclude that. So I want to encourage uh, the folks that are with us to just keep their eyes open and their minds open, because I think it gives us the opportunity to be surprised and delighted by what all life might have in store for us. And I think that's a wonderful thought to end on. And it's so true. You know, Chip, you you should at, at, at almost 48 and I'm 42. We shouldn't know, because if we know, then what's the purpose of seeking out more? What's the purpose of learning more? The last thing I want to do is feel like I know all the answers. And instead, we want to feel like we're just starting and that there's so much more to learn. So, Jeff, thank you so much for this conversation, for past conversations. We're uh, enduring me as I just hold my book up for, for half an hour straight, because uh, just just to note one last time, uh, this, I just, this book came out today. Chip is in it uh, along Let's with- No! <laughs> no for tomorrow. Go out and buy a copy or you're dumb. Chip game, <laughs> quote. Right there. I'm going to make a billboard that says that. That is beautiful. Chip, I thank you so much for your, for your wisdom, for your time, uh, for your friendship. It, it's an honor. And, uh, and I hope everyone took a good listen and is inspired today. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jason. What a pleasure. Congratulations on the book, my friend. Thank you. All right. We'll be talking to you. Bye-bye. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.